Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. Yes, you did. This is going to be hard because we sound similar. We've been told that we sound similar. We've been told that we... What have we been told? Hey, hey, what's, what's the status? <laughs> what is happening right now? What's happening? I was on Douglas movies. Uh, no. <laughs> You're the worst. You're the worst. We're the best. I say. I, I say. <coughs> oh, no. No. Oh, little agua. Hey. No, well, I, and that's the end of it. That's I should, how I die. <laughs> with the, the worst last joke ever. What, that you had to say something? Yeah. No, I, the girl that I'm dating has a good impression of me. That, that, that. Oh, that's no, right. That. We'll meet you, your girlfriend. <laughs> By the way, welcome to episode two of You Made It Weird, the second episode ever of the weirdest podcast ever. I just made that up. It's pretty good. Put that on a t-shirt. Off the tip top of your head. Off the dome. My name no, is... No, I don't think. no, no, off the dome. No, definitely not. people say. Black people. Hey. Oh, well, it is weird. It's already weird. <laughs> you already made it weird. That's I how deliver. quickly you make it I weird. I deliver. I deliver. <laughs> ah, uh, terrifying. Welcome back to I Deliver, a new podcast <laughs> where I deliver. Uh, oh, anyway, I'm Pete Holmes, your host, and uh, with me as 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 never. As always. With me as never. And with me as ever. With me as as he's ever been. Is uh, and like, Whitney Cummings is Todd James Miller, T.J. Miller. I am Is Dan, that a secret? I am Dan Cummings. Dan Cummings, Whitney's father? Yeah, <laughs> uncle. Well, uncle's brother-in-law. His uncle's brother-in-law, which makes him your niece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was mean. You gave that a fake laugh and a ro- eye roll and a head toss. That was mean. I was trying to move away from the microphone while I was chewing. Is that true? Yeah. That's weird. Oh. Because as comedians, it's our job. I like to, to decipher laughs. I think that's one of the skills that kind of like transfers into the real world. Well, so that's just a product of anxiety that will eventually erode your personal that, psyche that until could, you die. It could be. Inside. No, actually. Of your body. Every dysfunction <coughs> that hurts our lives probably helps our comedy <coughs> in some way. I don't think that's true. You don't think that's true? Absolutely. It's like a superpower. Anxiety, for example, the I fact find that greater inspiration from optimism than pessimism. Nelson in Mandela, my comedy. Is that a real thing? Yeah. Is that a real thing? <coughs> Absolutely. I don't know. I am better at writing good comedy when I'm looking at the world like this is amazing. Look how ridiculous this is. That's my energy towards the world. Yeah. When I'm like, oh, I'm dysfunctional. My parents are dingers. I keep talking about my own potty. Do you understand? Yeah. My urinal. Welcome back. I have a golden urinal. To our parents are dingers. A new (laughs) podcast about people whose parents are dingers. No, I look, I agree. Actually, in fact. And we want to first apologize to everybody. What? In South Africa, where dinger is a racial slur. Is it? It is. You know what the worst is? So those listeners who are in who are in South Africa. South Africa. South Africa. Are you in South Africa? Yes, we are. Your accent sounds yeah, a lot like New Zealand. It isn't. But we're from New Africa. We call it New Africa. Meat pie. <laughs> I ate a lot of meat pie. We love Yogi Bear. I was thinking pie. on the way over here how... Meat pie. I really have set up an interesting thing where I, if, I, if I really wanted to, if I was starting to go crazy or everything went south with my career in Hollywood, everything, yep. if everything went sour... I could, I could theoretically be like, it was all a joke. 
I really could. I've set up components. Yogi Bear, Gulliver's Travels, Unstoppable, a music album yeah. that's 41 tracks. Yeah. There's sort of this like pattern of like real weird. Yeah. A special on Comedy Central, never anything happens well, that, with it. It's funny. That's actually the first weird thing. Uh, good, thing good thing we know you got a Twitter mention. Oh, please. And here's what it says. Michelle Rees says, I have decides that after work, I am going to make a ringtone. A ringtone of it, not TJ Miller saying bubble bath in Spanish. Really? That is a clear win. Oh, I like that track on the album. I do. I have I have 41 tracks and of them. Some, one of them is called bubble bath. We need to rein this in a little bit. Bring it in. You're TJ Miller. You're an actor and a comedian. And I've known you for a very long time. You're in the film Yogi Bear. The Yogi Bear Three, experience. Yo, excuse me? The three, Yo- the Yogi three, Bear 3D. The 3D Yogi Bear experience. Uh, it's not called that. The third dimension. What do they walk up to Citizen, uh, what's his dick? And they're like, hey. Citizen Kane, Orson uh, Welles. Orson Welles. Hey, Orson Welles. I love your movie, uh, Citizen's Arrest. <laughs> Four. This may be the first time anyone's compared Citizen Kane to Yogi Bear. I'm sorry. I compared Yogi Bear 3D to Citizen's Canes. <laughs> Mostly, I think people said to Orson Welles, nice name, Orson. Orson. Did you hear a who this morning? weight in a way where they can start saying whales or Orson Wales. <laughs> Keep gaining because we got a really good dinger. We got a really good dinger for you if you gain 30 pounds. It's Orson Welles. Shit, I blew it. I couldn't wait. We already used dinger in a derogatory way. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You're sad. I was kind of sad. Damn it. I fucked it. That's how much Pete's thinking about comedy. He actually, in his mind, was like, I fucked it. I did. I used this. I should have said a zinger. Why didn't I say zinger? Zinger. Zinger. Zinger Dells. Should have said zinger. We met in Chicago. Oh, okay. So you're in the Yogi Bear experience. You're in. Uh, she's out of my league of their own. That's that's your joke. She's just not that into a league of their own. <laughs> is the name of the film. Thank you. Is that your most famous role? Is yeah. that the thing? People. No, people a lot of people. <laughs> this is a great one. Louder with the judges. Please just hear me out. Sorry. Can we get some of, shit hello? in TJ's mouth, yeah. please? So a lot of sorry. Oh, ow, ooch. A lot of people ask me why are you the most famous. Of any of the people that I've seen in this alley. <laughs> you understand? And I say, hey, what do you think it is? Yogi Bear 3D? Do you think it's the small turn I did and get him to the Greeks? The Euros? Was it? <laughs> I, I just turned your ringer off. I, I thought it was off. Was it? What was it? Well, people want to know. I say, I say it is a combination of those things. But more importantly, it was my... My part in the Standard Deviance PBS educational show as a knight explaining the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's used educationally in high schools nationwide. That's not true. It is. That, what you just look said is not true. Look it fucking up on the internet. I refuse to look that up. Do it. Look it up. You were in a vocational film showing children how to make birdhouses? No, you didn't even say that. I all. didn't get it right. <laughs> but what, that, Dinger. We, we met, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, I guess. Ten years yeah. ago in Chicago. I look at my watch. I really did. I'm so sad. <laughs> a sad man looks at his watch. Hey, I think... Oh, no. I'm losing my mind early from nitrous oxide use you, in the mid-80s. That could be... The premise of the show is I ask you about three weird uh, three weird areas. You do do nitrous. I don't anymore. You did. 
I, yeah, I did. But oh, this, this sure. is actually this is actually the first weird thing. It was the T- best. What what is a better drug than nitrous oxide? Uh, what is better? Uh, Name a better drug. <laughs> I'll argue against it. I have a joke about it. You do? Oh yeah. You love nitrous. First of all, it only lasts for eight to ten seconds. See, you know that's not really true because the one time that I did nitrous oxide, but you're with such you, a pussy, and yeah, I, I want to make that very clear because it's so funny. People love the track on the album. I, I'm not. It is you battle rapping me because yeah. you really do do a great turn in that thing. I, I can't. It's ridiculous. Uh, no, I, I'd love to play that track. Can we do that? I mean, but just wait a second. Yeah, okay. So it's so great, but at the end of it, you call me a sensitive rich pussy, which is true. That Absolutely. You're sensitive. And a rich pussy. <laughs> but you, you honestly, 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 you are a pussy too. You can't really talk about drugs when you're like, the one time I did nitrous, my head imploded and I wasn't able to work for three weeks. Pete one time smoked marijuana. Yeah. And then the next day was like, and then I did an audition and, and, I, didn't, wasn't and, and I wasn't funny. So I wasn't I, it funny. stopped me from being funny. That's how neurotic he is. I, I smoked weed and it stopped me no, from I being smoked, funny. I smoked weed for the first time. When I was 28. And the, oh, yeah. ne- and the next know. day I had an improv audition that I blew because I didn't know there was such Which a thing as a pot hangover. But I didn't smoke weed until I was like in my late 20s also. And the truth is that I, it's like, yeah, you can't, you can't speak with any authority on, I'm telling you, nitrous is amazing because it lasts for, here's the joke. It's the only thing that makes your vocal cords lower because the opposite <laughs> of helium. So when you breathe in, you're like, hey, how are you doing? It's amazing. <laughs> so that all happens. But it's great because if a police officer catches you doing it, there's no way to arrest you because they'll be like, Hey, are you doing nitrous? And you're like, yeah, I am. But what are you going to do about it? Because now it's gone. <laughs> it only lasts for eight seconds. Does that hold up in court? I think it does. He's like, he had nitrous, but then he inhaled it. There was an episode of Law and Order on it. Was there? No, but everyone would believe that because that show's been on forever. Cancel it, weirdos. Pulled from the headlines. (laughs) The guy, Stainer, was caught with nitrous, but then he inhaled it and it was gone. Yeah, gone. Gone for good. Uh, Well, no, I did it and then I felt like... You could ask me about the Perez Hilton stuff. That would be weird. Oh, yeah, your DUI. Man, there's so much weird about you. The format of this show is I'm supposed to ask about three weird things. There's only weird things about you. But this is the one I actually... Did you say you asked Chelsea Peretti if she would do it and she said no? No, she'll do it. Okay. She'll do it. We Yeah, she'll do it. Absolutely. What I We can start... I want to start with comedy, though, because the weird thing that I think is very weird about you is your approach to comedy. And we actually share a lot of feelings about this, but you you kind of do life as a bit. You do life kind of as a bit. Everybody. No, I think that's like doing. That would be cheapening. That would be cheapening what it really is, which isn't like particularly noble or anything. But to say that it's a bit is, I think, a very. Too cheap. You know what I mean? You're serving comedy in every area of your life. You're in the service of comedy. That's literally what I mean. I think I'm in the service of people, of human beings. To make them laugh, though. Yeah, but to me, sometimes I don't even make them laugh. It's just like. To provide them with some escapism that doesn't lead to them, like, dying in a motel room from a meth overdose, you know? Rather to kind of soften parts of life. Well, this is is something that we've talked about. I've called you from the road. I've been in, like, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan about to do an hour (laughs) at a technical college. And you, I'll call you. The Upers. The Upers, exactly. 
say youpers for a real local laugh. If anybody is listening to this on the Youpsie way to a gig. daisies. Yeah. Youpsie <laughs> daisies. It's cold up here. Use that as your opener. We uh, endorse you to use that in your uh, routine tonight, if you're out there. Uh, but I've called you and you. It's so rude. I'm going to stop. Big me up. And tell me that you're like you're like a superhero. You swing into people's lives and you make them better. I've never said it you in that said way. That. You that absolutely sounds said it that so way. gay. You that said is that. the you gayest way to say that. Because I didn't want to do a set at Caroline's one night, and you were like, "You're like Batman. Do you understand? The show's gonna suck. You come in like fucking Batman." No, I think Batman. you started that analogy. He okay, was maybe, like you're, you're like, that, that, that you're like, like it, does, it is. It's you. You know what makes it weird that you you uh, you adopt. Parts of other people. Do you know that? And you're you're not as bad as other friends of ours. Oh, but you do. You suck. You suck in aspects of things that you love. You put it out. Yeah, and it could true. be called stealing. You've never stolen material, but at times, you, mannerisms that you do, you do them. It starts as an, listen. It starts as it starts as an imitation, and then it becomes a part of your repertoire. And then those around you who are aware enough of it have to start inventing new physicalities. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about me. I know. And I so in a tell. way, I have to stay ahead of myself because you and certain other people absorb things that I do. No, that does happen. Start to, to you go, Dad, Dad, all that. Okay, Dad. Yeah, yeah, Dad. I don't do Dad. Fathers, you do. I do Dad. I do. I don't remember ever doing Dad. Ah. You made it weird. Yeah, I did. No, I love it. Uh, no, I, I, if he wants to invite me on this show, no, no, I'd like to talk with him about a couple of things. <laughs> you, why do you have, I've got a topic of two for you. You have a list. Yeah, I do. No, I agree with you. People, people rip you off all the time because I actually have a theory about this. There's springs and there are sponges, and everybody's both. <laughs> but either only you, Pete would come up with like some insane dish. No, this is true. There's springs, so you're like a source of water that creates <laughs> out of nowhere. Or you're a sponge and you absorb other people's water. People absorb my water <laughs> all the time. No sponges. No, it's, no. Everybody sponges a little bit. Everybody springs a little bit. I will. I will definitely. Why? That's just. You know what that is? It's just like <laughs> there's a better. It's that's what artists do. It's absolutely what artists sponge, do. That was the worst title for that idea. No, I like it. You know, I didn't come up with it so that I could share it on a on a podcast. I came up with it in my own mind. I was like, I'm a spring, and but I'm also a sponge. I don't give Do a you shit. Hear what that I think about like, Would you hear what that sounds like? You're just in your car. You're like, yeah, sponge. <laughs> just listen. Here's the impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to take it right here. Yeah, it's quicker this way. <laughs> yeah, springs. Oh, some people are spring. Yeah, I'm a spring. I guess I'm a spring. But we're all springs and we're all sponges. Okay, never talk about this out loud. <laughs> You know we think about comedy so much. Of course I have a theory about that. Yeah, but I but just people, love that it's the worst title for it. I know. I, I And I'm going to keep what about, using it. What about geysers mm. and vacuums? You say geysers, I just think of ejaculating penises. Well, that is clearly something you should be speaking with a psychologist and, Yeah, about. I definitely do. Most of what you say makes me think about it. Maybe like an ER psychologist. <laughs> I mean, you mean, I, I think you need help immediately. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Does that exist in ER psychology? Oh, yeah, that's what my mother did. That's not a real mm-hmm. thing. What do you think? Everyone who goes into the ER is not insane? Many people come to the ER and they're like scratching at their skin like, I have bugs all over myself. And they're like, you're on a hallucinogen. What's right. going on? Are you, you, are you a, schizophrenic? You're having What's an ecstasy-induced psychotic episode. Oh, that happens so many weeks in a row. Uh, <laughs> but you keep going back. I want to feel a connection. No, I want to talk about this. I believe, and I, I actually agree with you. Music. 
I, I absolutely agree with you that I've taken things from you, 100%. And it's because we're friends. You know what? The dad thing was big in someone our circle. Someone called me and they said, someone called me and they said, hey, I did this movie and I just, I took a bunch of, I know of what things you're, yeah. from you. And I was like, what? And they were like, is that okay? And I was like, can you not do that? And they're like, well, it sort of was already filmed. It already exists. So I think so, but it's you know what I always said. That I thought about this, but then because, luckily it was I want to know your question. Your I have a question for you, and I want to know your answer to it. It's like, what is at a certain point you have to sort of say when, how precious can you be about your material? And then maybe this is your spring sponge thing. You love it now. I can't stand it. <laughs> As I say it, my skin crawls with an ecstasy induced episode. Wes Craven. <laughs> so I feel like you know you're. You you have to be a spring, so you, in some ways, and that's you have control over that. People aren't just sort of born one or the other. If you're, but if you're not creating, if you're so worried people are stealing your material, <clears throat> that's a problem because the material doesn't really matter. Right. What really really sells, at least in my business, is you. You're a person. You have to. You have to be a person who's like, look, I found out this way to look at things. Right. And maybe it can make you sort of look at them that way for a little while, but be laughing the whole time. Right. If you want it, it's here. It costs just a little bit of money. Or you could steal it from your friends. No, I totally agree. I, I don't really get upset in the times that I've had uh, material stolen or, or things that I feel like are mine stolen. But that Louis, that Louis episode was very interesting because... The Dane Cook one? Yeah, I thought it was so interesting because I watched online. I finally couldn't because I'm watching them all in order and I can't, we can't skip forward. Oh, God, that sounds like such an old thing. <laughs> <laughs> My lady and I don't like to skip forward in the series. Uh, but I watched that scene and it really... I loved it. Because Louis basically never says, you didn't steal from me. He's just like, I, well, I think you did. And he's like, but fuck you, you're here for this. It's, I mean, it's an amazing piece of it, work in general. Perfectly. Yeah, because Louis is, he understands that he also sucks. He also would be like, hey, will you give me tickets for my daughter yeah. so that I can sort of make everything good for her, even though I know that you know yeah. that I sort of was okay with people saying you stole from me. So I feel like you have to be <laughs> making more stuff than people can steal. You have to spring. But you can't – I have more and more jokes now that if you wrote them down, there's nothing funny about them. Like it has to be me saying it. And that that's what I'm something proud of. I'm sorry. I'm proud of that. Guys, I'm so nervous. I did You're some, sweating so much. I did some nitrous. That's what it's proud It's really, really weird. But I think that's what you're talking about. People are laughing at TJ when you do a set. I don't think people are necessarily laughing you hope so. at yeah. that bit you do. Yeah, because I think other – because also for me, this is just personally like I'm just not an amazing writer. I don't like sit and like be like, look at this amazing one-liner. Like I've, I've really worked hard to get some one-liners just to add a little texture to the act. But outside of that, I'm not very prolific. I can't do what Anthony Jesselink does. I yeah. can't do it. Yeah. So my only shot is like – Sort of being a person who sort of frames things, just more performative. That's all, right? And so you know, that's that's what it is. Is like people talk shit on, oh, he can't write, you know. But like, how many people say like he can't perform? Like, no one's like Stephen Wright. That guy sucks at performing. Yeah. It doesn't go the other way, but I think both are very valuable. You want to see both because it gets so lazy now. People come up with notebooks, like blah, blah, blah. yeah. So I think you have to have some sort of flair to your performance. I think it also, and I'm talking about. Flames, flaming pants, you know what I mean? <laughs> like actual flames? You silly sunglasses. On your face? Yep. Or on your, or on your forehead. Pushing you- your hair back. Your clown wig, that is. What <laughs> <laughs> fun. That's true. I think, uh, though, it, it enhances the high for the performer, too, if you can get them to laugh at you. 
it feels so much better than like this is another hey, thing that's my weird about milk you. joke work i'll say what's different about the two of us is that you you're always looking inwards you're like they're the high for the performer i'm the performer so for me it makes me more high when they're laughing at me and they love me no i don't think that's necessarily true where you're going I mean, you're I, not aware sort of feels, which feels better when you get off stage. Not, I don't really think about that so much. Not in ter- in those terms. Well, like, I think more about I killed. Yeah, I did. The only thing I think about is I think when I'm in an audience where I'm really, really, really like crushing. Yep. Then you're like, I just feel more comfortable. I walk off stage. I'll be like, that is so nice to be able to just lean against the back wall. Yeah. That for me is the difference. If you see me leaning against a wall while I'm doing comedy, that means that I am completely comfortable in the situation because the audience is totally on board. Yeah. But like, you know, I think I, outside of that, whether or not I was comfortable, I'm much more thinking about how well I did. If people, it's a small crowd, but like these three tables really love the show. I'm yeah. always thinking outwards about. No, that. I, how could I not be thinking outwards? Of course, I'm thinking outwards. But here's the thing: but if you're I'm, also thinking about the high. Of course, it's all the. It's but all, I don't think about that. It's all the same thing, though. If I'm killing and it makes me high, I'm going to be funnier for them. It serves itself. It's uroburo. <laughs> I, if they're laughing and I'm, they're killing and they're phrase. laughing at That's me. That's not real. That's not bullshit. Uroboros. I got it from Adaptation. It's Ugh. a snake eating itself. I didn't read it in a book. I got it from a movie. <laughs> and I used it as trying to sound smart. But anyway, if I'm Jesus getting Jesus. off and feeling like I'm doing well, I'll add lines. I'll add material. I'll have more confidence. It'll be a better show. You know this. Of course. I did, we started the show by saying I can hear laughs. I know what laughs are saying. I'm all out. I'm all gauging. I'm all understanding where people are coming from. So I think we're similar in that way. We are similar in that way. But I think you're more... I do. I you, overthink you're, things. You're, you also you. say... You'll, well, don't you openly say you, you, you crave acceptance? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I feel that I really... And people will argue with me about this. I'm sure people argue with you about why you do comedy or this or that. Right. Why you're doing stand-up instead of other stuff. We get a lot of that. People are always like, you're a stand-up because you're self-absorbed and you don't care about anybody else. You can't work with other people. Right. All those sorts of prejudices in the comedy community, which are so boring, against stand-ups. But I I feel like I argue. I do not. I am not like, please, please like me. Like I've gone into situations where I knew that they wouldn't like me. And tried very hard to like make them laugh. And when they didn't, I was like, all right, fuck it. That is the, that's the best I can do. Yeah. And that challenge is interesting to me for sure, but it is completely about, you know, it's, I, it doesn't matter to me what they're, if they love me or this or that. Like I love IMDb comments that are like, you're the piece of shit. You ruined Cloverfield. Like people will do that. Yeah. Right online. Spend time for in their lives to be like, you ruined Cloverfield. You ruined it. You ruined the whole thing. You were not believable. You're not funny. Your jokes are stupid. You're stupid. I don't know why you're in Hollywood. Why the fuck you made a bear movie and now you're on a movie? Like the craziest hatred. And I just think it's so ridiculous. It's yeah. so amazing. But I don't need those people to be that, like, that you're sounds, great. That sounds so much. That's fine. That's a lot more healthy. I'm trying to get there. It's hard. Sometimes when the extended play came out, for me more it's that's people TJ's will be like. new CD. TJ has a rap CD. <laughs> it's hip hop, pop, and folk. <laughs> I know we've already referenced it, but, but it's, yeah, I want the people to know. The extended play EP is on iTunes. Check it out. But it was sort of, when I put that out there, I realized I didn't have, like right when it dropped and people started just making little comments about it. I realize I don't have a CD of my stand-up. I don't even have my my Comedy Central Hour special comes out in November, so people don't know what I 
do in stand-up. Most people just know me from movies. So some people are buying the CD and I've seen it on the online. Right. And they'll be like, I bought your CD, dude. I thought it was stand-up. I like downloaded it on iTunes and it's not stand-up. Like, what is this? It's shit. It's just bad music. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, I didn't frame this correctly. I did it in the wrong order. I should have Ask them to push the CD. So that, that to me, that is a suffocating feeling. But yeah. Outside of that, it's like people hating the extended play EP. Some people need to hate it. Otherwise, it's not an interesting thing that I did. This is a, this is a bizarre thing. I, I do want to uh, be accepted. And it, it sounds like you're so much more healthy and understanding of what you do and, and who it's for. But I don't know that it's that much healthier. I think that the, the smarter I get, which everyone's like, the older I get, but I don't think it's about that. The smarter I get. As right. I sort of each in my experiences grow, I really do. I, and if this is the way it should be, I look at myself and I'm like, I don't know that that's healthy. I don't know. I, it took me years, maybe seven or eight years to really look at my own behavior in my standup to be like, dude, chill out. Like it is not necessary to do sets. All the in Chicago, I was if there was a place to perform, I was doing it three sets a night. Well, that is four sets, sometimes seven nights a week. That's actually a big difference between us. Is that and this was one of the weird things I was going to ask you about. Is I remember one time you said like going camping, you wouldn't want to go camping except to write a bit about camping. And I've always been the kind of guy, as we said on the drive over, where I was like, I'll cancel a show to watch The Notebook. I don't give a shit. I'm trying to live a life worth commenting on, and you're trying to live comedy a little bit. A little bit. I, I mean, I think that I, I definitely look at... And I'd like to point out that I consider watching The Notebook a life worth commenting on. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad. <laughs> I was going like, to let it go because I was like, don't just directly insult his existence. <laughs> But I, do you still no, feel think, that way? Would you not go camping I, I mean, in, I, unless you would get a bit out of it? I, I think that my whole thing is – this is going to make it weird. I love, ma- I love making it weird. But uh, my whole thing is like I don't – I'm sort of – the point of what – the reason that my life is worth sort of living or it's, you know getting up in the morning and being like, okay, 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 okay is that it, I can be both a thing that I think is really fun and cool. I actually think it's the coolest profession you can have. Always growing up when I was younger, like in high school, I was like, what if you were a comedian? Yeah. I just couldn't even imagine it. I sort of was like, well, maybe I can be an actor and I'll do comedy. But even just the idea of just being like Conan O'Brien or anybody like that, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's, it's amazing. But also that, that thing I found through a lot of sort of bullshit introspection in college that that's the for me i can't be a politician because i just don't know how to do enough things to be able to do that right uh and i can't be a chemist or like work on technology stuff to further the exponential growth of technology singularity help 2029 but uh <laughs> but i i can make people laugh and i can do it at a very high like dissemination i mean i think that's the wrong word but i, I can the comedy that I can dissipate can go far and wide if you can do film yeah millions of people you can give them two hours off from the shittiest existence ever because that's most people's lives it's just like hard yeah. hardship yeah so that's so for because of that i have i get real crazy focused on trying to be a better comedian perform more get in all the different mediums reach people well, yeah. In ways like, I mean, it's, and I'll never say this in any other medium, but like 
one of the things that I love about the film Yogi Bear 3D is that while everybody talks shit on it or they have whatever feelings about it or they don't care or they think it's funny or it's ironic in the way that it's supposed to be when I intended it. It doesn't matter. Sometimes kids come up and are like, are you Ranger Jones? Like in, in, a, in a plaza in San Francisco. And I am like stoned beyond belief just watching an electronic band called the Brand Flakes that I'm trying to work with. And I'm just watching. And these kids come up and they're like, are you Ranger Jones? I'm like, yeah. It's just this Latino family. And I sign autographs for all of them. Yeah. They all want autographs. And then one woman doesn't speak any English. She, she, she speaks Spanish and she didn't know that I, I'm fluent in Spanish. Yeah. So she's just like, will you take a picture with me? And I was like, yeah. And then I take a picture with her. And I swear to God, as the flash went off, she turns to the, like her family a little bit right before. And she's like, in Spanish, because I can hear it. She goes, who is he? Who is he again? Ah! What is he from? What has he done? And I said in Spanish, I go, I'm from the film Yogi Bear. And she's like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And then, like, once the, and then they take the picture. Then she walks away and she's like, so wait, so what is he? That's in? so funny. So funny. When I went to the Cloverfield premiere with you, I took pictures with people just because yeah. I was with you and they just assumed I must have been in the film. There's this super eight thing. Is there's a tragic thing. This film that I was going to be in fell apart. I'm, the money that I was going to get, I was going to use to make this short film with this really funny kid, Ryan Lee from Super 8. Which one is he? He's like the funny kid who's of the pyromaniac. He loves fireworks and stuff. Kind of like, is he the heavier kid? No, no, no. He oh, like the pyromaniac. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's like blonde. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Longer hair. He was funny. So he's great. So I was going to do a short film where I played his father and we were going to film it in New Orleans. Then we we're going to do it in Los Angeles. And I was really excited about it. But like one of the greatest things is Cloverfield's great because people love it and horror fans love it and J.J. Abrams fans I love it. it. I love it. You love it. This kid like loved it kind of when it came out, which was however many years ago. And he, I met him at the premiere and I was like, hey, man, you were great because he was the funniest. Yeah. That's all I really care about. I'm watching that movie. And I'm enjoying the movie, but in my mind as a comedian, I'm like, that dude's funny. That yeah. kid is really funny. That yeah. kid has great timing. Yeah. That's a great underplayed joke. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And so I wanted to do this thing with him. And when I met him, he's like, oh my God, no, I know who you are. You're, yeah, of course, you're TJ. I, I, I was in an interview like a couple of days ago um, where they asked me, anyway, I said, I was saying about... You guys like like doing an impression of you. I, oh my god, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm acting so stupid right now. I don't know. This is so weird. And I was like, no, man, no, it's not weird. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you didn't get motion sick. And he's like, no, totally. Some of my friends did. And it was this amazing thing where this kid loved this movie. Yeah. And then he was in a J.J. Abrams movie. And he knew. Yeah. So that's to me, that's great. And that's why you do as much as you can. You try and do the highest caliber. Yeah. But you try and do as much as you can. And every moment that I'm like. Not working, which yeah. I need to chill out on that work ethic. But every moment that I'm not working is like a moment I could be figuring out, like, how do I get this podcast further off the ground? Where yeah. I need my website to have more content, all that stuff. But it's interesting to me when he loves Cloverfield, you don't really take that as like he loves me. You're kind of like he loved the work, he loved the film, it did something yeah. for his life, which I think a lot of people, a lot of performers would be like, oh, he loves me, he's a fan of me. This will get yeah. back at those people that hated me in high totally. school. Totally. Which, by the way, can I just say this now because I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I take a hard position on this always. But I really have grown to realize that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Anthony Jeselnik is like, my shit is fucking hilarious. Laugh at it or you're fucking idiots, basically. Like, yeah. He is like – That's his persona. That's his – yeah, that's his persona. That's okay because he's still so funny and people he makes people – 
laugh and, and and connect with him and his whole thing and he's like a good dude and deserves to do this for a living right so it's it doesn't matter to me where the the drive comes from it's just important that it's there and i think occasionally and i, I wonder if you'll agree with this if the drive is really to be famous even if it smells of that yeah. Then it's very diff- it's very off putting. Nobody I have wants a that. really tough Ugh. time. I cannot be I, friends with people that are like uh, the drive. And you see people who are insanely driven, and you, their work ethic is admirable. But it is for fame. They want yeah. people to see them and talk to them. Yeah. And it's my understanding. I heard this one kid recently that P Diddy is like that. Like Sean yeah. Combs or whatever is like fame, fame. He wants. He'll be like, let's leave. Let's go. Let's walk down. Let's walk down Fifth Avenue. Let's start, let's make some trouble. Make some calls. Get some cop cars out there let's take a chopper he just wants people to be aware of him all the time yeah mania you know well i talked to kumail actually on the first episode there are people that get into comedy for girls there are people that get get into comedy for uh fame and then i think there are people honestly like us that are are, not to pat myself on the back but we're doing it for comedy we want to do comedy no i think absolutely and also the thing that you have you know the reason we're friends other people is you do it because it's also like an interesting art form it is i don't think it's (laughs) i don't like to get hoity-toity about it because you can't because if you do then you're not a comedian if you take yourself truly seriously, you're not really a comedian because yeah. you're supposed to be looking at everything through the lens of absurdity. Yeah. So I find that's that, so funny. Like, I one time called you and you were on a treadmill and you were like, "I'm like, what are you doing?" You're like, "I'm on an elliptical or something." This is when you were eating steamed vegetables yeah. or something. I forget why. <laughs> yeah. And you were like, "Yeah, I was just on a treadmill. I, I was just on a treadmill for 45 minutes. <laughs> I have to do this to do the impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have my arms up." And it's like, and I was just thinking about my career abstractly. <laughs> You just said I was thinking about my career abstractly, and what's fucked up is I totally know what you mean. I sit around and think about the absurdity of the idea of me having a career and how it appears and how I want it to appear. Oh, I think it's so weird that I go to places and I present ideas and people are like, fuck you, you suck. Or they're like, dude, you're the best. That's so crazy. And then they hand you money. It's really a nice situation. But it is very, very difficult. And, you know, there's downsides to it also. So I I think anybody who really, really sticks out and is funny, you got to kind of give them props. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the second weird thing, which I, I, I had to run by you, and I don't normally uh, do that on the show we've done twice, which is you had uh, yeah. you had Pretend brain? like this is a long-standing yeah, series. Yeah. You'll I, forget about this in two weeks. The, the listeners. You get a writing job for Pity and Potty on Comedy Central. Is that a show? No, but it could be. It sounds like a show. It's uh, Pity and Potty is like an animated show with two kids that keep shitty their diapers. <laughs> it's showrunner Pete Holmes. <laughs> It doesn't sound like the worst. I was picturing. Yeah, that's I why thought, you would be I the showrunner. Potty was a, a talking toilet, and I thought Pity was like a, a pirate. Pity the pirate. Pity pirate. And the, I have one more. The you do your weird thing because I have a weird thing to ask you about. Okay. Outsourced. We can talk about outsourced. Sure. My weird thing is that your uh, brain uh, betrayed you. It didn't betray me. I betrayed some bears. I don't know what you mean. In Yogi Bear, my character Ranger Jones betrays the bears, <laughs> and then he finds out that that you know was what made the worst me laugh possible decision. Really Just hard. Please it- listen to what I'm talking about when I talk about Yogi Bear. 3. Oh, I'm sorry. Yo, Yogi and Boo Boo. He betrayed them, and he finds that that is not the sort of lust for. Whatever it was that he thought the image of him being the head ranger was. Yeah. He went went after that and it totally collapsed on him and he had to sort of go back and rethink stuff and like try and get on the good graces of the bears. I think that's what happened for me and Yogi Bear. But in my real life, 
I went out there and I was like, I can do whatever. I'm, I'm hilarious. I can be in this movie as a joke. I did, you know, I, I did that audition with the real bear as a joke. Yeah. And I was like, you know, this thing is so hilarious. And then they offered me the part and I was like, how funny would it be if I that's remember. the end of the story? Yeah. I do this fake bear audition with a real bear and then I'm actually in the movie. And then after the movie forever, I can be like, Hey, Yogi Bear, man. I was in Yogi Bear 3D. If anyone is ever like, what do I know you from? I'm yeah. always like Yogi Bear 3D. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, a yeah. real part of yeah. my life. So I thought that was so funny. Yeah. And then I went out there and like life was like, hey, remember you're in New Zealand for seven months or whatever, six months yep. alone with Anna Ferris, whose mind is a complex labyrinth that is soaked in white wine. <laughs> And the entire, you know, the entire cast is falling apart mentally and no one will ever say anything about it. But they all just were like, it is hard. This is a hard situation. People have kids. They're in this. You're talking to fake bears in the forest. Yeah. An hour. Each of us had a private driver. Be in an hour. Be in a car for an hour and a half each way with just one person from New Zealand and as you're driving there being like why am I here what's happening yeah I'm gonna talk to the bears what's today's scene the one where I'm like an extinct turtle well that that's great an ex- an endangered species will attract visitors from miles around <laughs> you know what I mean like it starts to really mess with your head if you're a weird so let manic me, person let, let me get this uh, in for the people who might not know you're taping uh, Yogi the Bear Yogi Bear 3D sorry Yogi Bear 3D and thank you, you you, uh, you're there for months. You're in New Zealand for months, and I talk to you regularly. And I started acting and you a little started weird. Partying pretty hard. No, but I, I they started acting pretty weird. Or you started acting weird. Is this when you thought CTJ ended up? This story ends in brain surgery. And is this when you started feeling? <laughs> Way to it? ruin the uh, denouement. No, I want people. I want people to know what what we're talking yeah, about. We're going to get to that point. All right. I started acting very strange. And I started thinking very strange, and from the perspective of the people here in, I thought it was party related because we would no, talk, and I was world, like, TJ was no, no, weirder people, than normal. Listen, the people in Los Angeles, you know, just my friends and my sort of on and off again girlfriend. That was very difficult. Heartbreaking situation. That whole thing was like, they were like, he's acting weird. Is he on drugs? What's happening? And I in New Zealand was starting to be like, man, something's going on with this bear movie. Cause I, <laughs> cause if you're, if you're starting to go crazy, which I was a little bit, I'll explain why you, you don't think that you're going crazy. You just start to look around. And I was like, I started, I, there was a puzzle shop on the ferry stop. That's where I was living in New Zealand near a ferry stop. <laughs> and I would buy puzzles and like spend hours kind of messing around with puzzles and things. And I just started thinking about the world and being, when I would talk to people, I'd start off by telling them everything that I was going to say summarized. So I would be like, Hey, I want to tell you this quick thing. Cause I have to go back into my trailer cause we're starting this thing, but I'm just going to tell you something that generally that just happened to me. It's a funny anecdote. Out. You're going to enjoy it because also at the end, I'm going to compliment you about something that I've recently been noticing you've been doing. Uh, I really think is helping the whole morale of the set. And then I'd say all that shit and leave. And people were like bewilderedly like, yeah. why is a man narrating what he's about to say before he says it? Yeah. And I just thought I was like starting to take notch it up to the next level, which is what you think in those situations. Yeah. But I was also extremely depressed. Yeah. And so I was not getting a lot of sleep and I was very stressed out also. 
And I was drinking very consistently because that was sort of the, that was the vibe out there. You're, yeah. you're out at this, in the middle of nowhere, you're with other people that love to drink. Sometimes you don't have work. Sometimes you do. All the New Zealanders are drinking. So you have this consistent amount. Every day you're having a beer or two at least. Right. So all these things later I would find out were leading to a hemorrhage in my brain near an AVM, which is an arteriovenous malformation. It's a congenital disorder, which means you're born with it. Yes. My best friend, Aaron, uh, from my oldest, and we've known each other since sixth grade, Aaron Bonnerjack. And say hello, Aaron. Hello. He's, hey, in, the, Aaron. he's in the studio. Hi. He's a psychologist, so he knows what you're talking about. Yeah. AVM. So, an a, yeah, an AVM, that's, I mean, that's what they call it. And they're primarily found, it's, her, it's not hereditary, but you're born with it. It's yeah. a malformation that happens in the womb. Yeah. And basically, you most it's usually found in autopsy, well, so it kills people usually because most brain hemorrhages that are a slow leak lead to sometimes just like a shock to the point of a stroke, which happens a lot also with an AVM, or straight up like aneurysm, which is that's it, you right? Know, it's that quick, like boom, and then that's the end of your existence. Well. So it's usually found with that, but with certain stressors in place and also sometimes just out of the blue, you can have a preliminary seizure and 10 or 15 years ago, I don't even think they had the technology to know what would have caused it. They just would have been like, okay, you're having seizures, here's medication. And then I would have died like five years later. Now they did like the all the scanning, the advanced scanning, and they're like, wait a second, you have an AVM, it's on your right frontal lobe. We can remove it if you want. Yeah. Or you might die soon. You know, it's one or the other. And I was yeah, like, well, what about the, let's remove it. And they're like, and also 10% of these types of surgeries can be fatalities. Right. So just be open to that. And I was like, let's go for it. Will I be under? And they're like, yeah, you'll be in, under anesthetic. And I was like, all right, great. But it's, you know, it was a weird thing where I got, I had a seizure in Beverly Hills at the most ridiculous Hollywood brunch <laughs> with my managers and Nick Vatteroff. And then suddenly I wake up in an ambulance to Olympic Hospital and then have a seizure in the emergency room. And then I wake up and I'm like, where am I? And later I find out that Ari Emanuel from WME had called his brother and been like, figure out how to get TJ into Cedar Sinai, which I'm infinitely grateful to him for. Yeah. This is the Ari that the honorage. Yeah. Based yeah. It's so That's weird. the real Ari called to make sure you went to the best hospital. And so then I woke up and I was like, <laughs> what? Where am I? And it was very late and I'm in this sort of private room in a ward. And then this nurse comes in and she goes, hey, um, the doctor can't be here right now. His proxy will be in in a second. And um, you're fine. You're stable. And we're going to get you some food and you're under fluids and everything. And I was like, thank you. And she's like, your family had to go to sleep, but they'll be back because they didn't know when you were going to wake up. Right. I was like, okay, okay. And she was like, okay, just get some rest. And then a robot doctor came around the corner like imagine <laughs> imagine a computer monitor on imagine a computer monitor on a Segway okay just imagine that it came around and the, the head of it was just a flat screen it was basically it's a movable machine with Skype on it and it had two cameras and a microphone where the mouth would be and it had this like flat screen flat panel screen and it came in and there was like this German guy on the other end and he's like I'm Dr. Shevink. I'm in uh, I'm overseas right now but I will be back tomorrow and uh, I will come in and we'll discuss what's going on with you but you're stable and everything's okay and I just the first thing I said I just said woke it up you know minutes ago I just woke up and I just went I'm in the future <laughs> <laughs> it's like for a second I was like I've woken up in the future 
But it's not. These hospitals, they have ways that the doctors can, like, go and see with cameras, yeah. you know, what every, like, inspect That's things. That's great. You thought you were in the, He's like, can I offer you a glass of Coke 3? Yeah. And I'm Where like, am yeah, I? Yeah. <laughs> Crystal, Crystal Coke 3. <laughs> I love that my gauge of technology is sugary beverages. That's <laughs> what I'm looking forward guy. to. I don't You're want flight, flight cars. I call them flight cars. You're a snack guy. That's crazy. And then and then you had the surgery. And yeah, and the guy said, the guy who before he had the surgery, he was like, so were you acting bizarre? Because I was there for you know a few weeks, but not, it was just two weeks. And then once the surgery happened, I was gone the next day almost. That's yeah. how crazy medicine is now. Oh, I know. For this one uh, sort of internist, he was kind of, but he was like, an, I don't know, not an internist, but he's like an he wasn't an intern. He was like a junior level doctor. Yeah. But he sort of sat with me and he was like, dude, was any behavior changing for you at all? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, leading up to this, was anybody saying that you were acting strange or any, did you notice any behavior yeah. or any sort of sensory differences? And I was like, no, I mean, I guess I started to get really like philosophical all the time. He's like, okay, okay. I think that's because it was, you you had more blood in your right frontal lobe. Right. So that area of your brain, which is responsible for sort of that type of thinking yeah. and puzzles and, you know, it's sort of, it's not, I don't want to say charisma, but it's like social interactions. It's very social. That part of your brain governs, you know, that we are social animals, that human beings are even different from orangutans and primates and stuff yeah. because we're more social. That's all frontal lobe. So he's like, you would have been acting, you know, very larger than life. You would have been sort of overreacting to things, overthinking things. Your interactions with people will be more intense, all that stuff. He said, let me put it this way. We had a woman come to the emergency room. And she said she'd gone to two other emergency rooms and they had said she sent her home and told her she had probably had a migraine. She came into us and she said, I'm smelling things that I, I've never smelled before. And we were like, what do you mean? And she's like, I just, I smell things before I go around the corner. I can smell people much more intensely and it's weird. It scares me. It's very scary. And he was like, Okay, well, I think we should just do a scan. Is your, you know, and she's like, yeah, I mean, I have the insurance and everything. So she, they did a brain scan and she had an AVM and it was bleeding rapidly. So she didn't even, she was about to have a seizure, really. Oh, wow. Um, or a stroke, maybe. But she, what was happening was the area of her brain, I don't know where it is, the parietal lobe or something. It's on the side somewhere, maybe in the back. Yeah. And so that area of her brain was bleeding. And so her olfactory senses, were extremely heightened. Yeah. And that saved her life because they, they, he was like, we, it was deeper in, but we were able to get it out and then put her on anti-seizure medication, which is what I'm on. And then, you know, you stay on it forever. So it's a crazy thing. And, and then he said, no, not him, the main doctor, Dr. Shevink, came in and he was like, what, what was going on before this happened? This was after this, the operation was a success and everything. And I was like, well, because he was like, don't do this and you should watch out for this and you should eat this way and all that stuff. And I was like, well, I was just really depressed and it was awful out there and I was drinking a lot. He's like, did you have consistent alcohol in your system? And I was like, yeah, I mean, honestly, pretty consistently. He's like, how much were you sleeping? And I was like, very little, sometimes one or two hours. You know, because I would stay up, I'd be so fucking weirded out in my mind that I would just watch comedy videos and listen to everything that Paul F. Tompkins did. I listened to over and over and over again. I watched Morgan Murphy interviews from San Francisco (laughs) green rooms or just weird (laughs) shit. And he was like, okay, and so you're depressed and you really stressed out did you have a lot of stressors and I was like yeah I mean I was doing this fucking movie and it was driving me crazy I thought he's like okay well normally I would say that that type of behavior is very dangerous to a person's well-being in general he's like but in this case it saved your life Hmm. because you had these seizures and he's like but now you have to 
get it. And that's my big thing is like, you have to get eight hours of sleep always. I take this anti-seizure medication, which is really precautionary, but, um, I'm, when I become stressed out, I really step out of situations a <laughs> lot more. I take time off from doing stand up sometimes so that I'm not like late to sets all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't drink hard liquor anymore. Never take shots at the club, whatever. Just drink like a light beer or two every so often. Yeah, well, I, I definitely uh, noticed that. We all we all noticed that. Not not that you were like it's got to go down. And now, huge, I mean, now I smoke weed a lot. You which, do smoke a lot of weed now. But she, I mean, it's that when I asked the doctors, I was like, "What does that do?" They're like, "I mean, I have a joke about it," but they're like, "Well, we don't recommend it." And I was like, "Well, no one recommends marijuana." Huh? And he's like, "Well, it doesn't really do anything." You know, positive for you medically and I was like but will it hurt me in any way right. I don't need to do it but I'm just asking he's like well there are no real medical benefits and I was like man just tell me if I smoke weed will it hurt me in any way and he's like no 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 not at all I mean it's not yeah it's benign in that way. <laughs> so he like got to the point where eventually he's like, no, marijuana is the safest drug. Actually, alcohol is extremely dangerous, but legal. So that's, that's why people really beat each other all the time. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I, I was, you know, uh, with you through a lot of this. And I remember. Oh, yeah. You were at the fucking hospital. Everything. Yeah. You were one of the bestest of the friends. No, that's not why I brought that up. But that's I remember. That's true, though. That is true. What are you looking for, buddy? Just you water. want this water? Yeah. I uh, I remember the the blood flow thing because you are let's just butter some bread here one of the absolute funniest most uh, brilliant creative people I know and I remember oh, thinking we were like oh no what if this is like fucking powder and phenomenon and you're so fucking unbelievably better than us because you have this thing in your brain and they're gonna take it out. And then he's going to be normal. We thought they were going to take it from your brain. I can't imagine. And you First of all, gonna... who this conversation? This is just you and a homeless guy being like, yeah. listen, my friend TJ is real funny. No. Nope. Okay. Here, check this out. I didn't articulate this. Of course, who, what am I going to say that to your mom? You know what I mean? Of course, no, I didn't say is... that because I didn't want to even articulate it. But the, I thought you were going to come out and be like, hello, I'm Todd. No. I thought that's what, and let me, let me tell the story. I was the first one to see you when you came out because your mom is such a sweetheart. I had to catch a flight and you were coming out of your thing and I walked into the room and I went up to you thinking remember that you were going to be like greetings (laughs) hello peter humor is nothing all that exists is carbon you know what i mean that's what i thought you were going to say and i came up to you so boring (laughs) yeah you're so boring and i came up to you we're in a room that no humans are allowed you know what i mean like one human at a time is allowed in this room for fear of contamination i go up to you (laughs) and your head is wrapped just like oh yeah they cut into my head they cut into your goddamn head they saw it in your brain half of my head and i come in and here's my friend wearing like what looks like an old school styrofoam bike helmet (laughs) in gauze and i say how are you i don't know what to say and you looked at me like i was a fucking retard and you said i just had brain surgery <laughs> and i was like he's still there he's still in there it wasn't that squid in his brain and to, to be honest you're doing the best <coughs> well i did you're doing the best work you've ever done now but you know i did i had to have that's very sweet of you, but i i it's a huge i relief. did I had, I had the weirdest i had the, the that was the weirdest conversation and I don't talk about it a lot because it isn't particularly funny, but it was the weirdest conversation was the one I had with the same guy who was like telling me about the girl who smelled too much and all that stuff. It was it's all of her sex. Tell no one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's that sort of I had to have this weird conversation with him late at night where he was like, here's the rundown. This was the brain surgery. Here's what they're going to do. All that stuff. And then I was like, hey, so I just got to ask, like. If this, like, if you take this part of my brain out, is that going to change the way I am at all? And he's like, well, no, I mean, you know, obviously we don't know for sure. And I was like, but just hear me out on this. I 
I make a living sort of being somewhat fun to be around. So <laughs> is, there, is, is that going to affect my ability to sort of do that and, and do it at a professional level? And he was like, I'll never forget. He just kind of looked off because you got to remember the other people in this ward are like, May might die tomorrow because they got a motorcycle accident where half their brain is smashed with a cinder block. Right. Like no one could talk on the war except for me. Right. So he is, I was like, do you think it'll change my ability to be a funny giggly guy? Yeah. And he just kind of like looked at me and he's kind of looked off the side and he was like, I don't think so. I mean, it's sort of dead already. That part of your brain so I wouldn't think so, but we really don't know. And then he left and he was like, goodbye. And he walked out and it was not like, of course, he's just being honest, but it was not like, no, no, it'll be fine or anything like that. It was just like, I don't think so, but I don't know. I guess we'll see tomorrow. Uh, see you later, champ. He just hits me on the shoulder. You. So that was a weird, that was a strange thing. Cause I don't, I didn't want to ask that, but of course that's the only thing I was scared about. I didn't yeah. care. Honestly, if the, if I had died in I thought about this right before I went in. If I had died in the surgery, which is not a, out of the question, I mean, they're 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 taking a part of your brain out in an area where if too much blood is in any part of your brain, you just like. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, before I went under, I was like, "Oh, this is." I've been very very fortunate to have such an excellent life. If this is how it ended up ending, all right. Yeah. Like, there's a lot worse situations, but I really. I had to ask him that because that was the thing I was most scared of. I actually that this was really really interesting in telling of your character. Like if we were pitching you for a novel, it would be like he's afraid of waking up unfunny. He's not afraid of dying. <laughs> he's afraid of waking up and being a That's dullard. The tagline. Yeah, yeah, that is the tagline for the movie TJ. But uh, I, I remember. Oh God, what was I just going to say? Uh, what were you saying? You woke up. No, just oh, I, I never saw any fear in your face. It was insane. I was there when they wheeled you out of the room to get maybe death surgery. And you were just like, peace out, fathers. Mother, <laughs> I got a set at the county magic club. The magic club, Chris! I got a set after this if I can yeah. get out by nine. They're firing up the bone saw and you're like, what's the status? <laughs> what's the status with my brain, Chris? Oh, because the whole thing is so absurd in the first place. It's so yeah. ridiculous that anyone's even alive or anything. I See, this. your whole worldview is so interesting just because you are, you're a, you're a big atheist. You're a big time atheist. You Believe. Yeah, I think I, I mean I was raised atheist. Yeah, you have like wonderful. I also atheist enjoy parents. reading nonfiction. So, uh, uh. yeah, and and I saw that. Like, they uh, did you see the movie Touching the Void? This guy falls into like a crevasse, an ice crevasse. Yeah. Anyway, he says, "I knew I was really an atheist because I didn't cry out to God. He was lost, and he was definitely going to die." He's like, "I know," and that you've told me that you're like, "That's the goal of any atheist is to not." On your deathbed, go. But maybe just as some. It should sort be of called insurance. hardly funny, but mostly heavy with Pete Holmes. Uh, we can call it that. But no, I think like uh, I'm yeah, interested I, in I what think, people think about the big I, questions. I don't. Yeah, for me, I'm. Yeah, I do. I think you work your entire life. One of the greatest. My for me, one of my most interesting comedic personalities ever was Eugene Ionesco, who was like this really pretentious thing to talk about. <laughs> he was a, uh, a writer. That did absurdist theater, sort of that was really popular in Europe and kind of came and had a resurgence in the seventies and eighties in America, and people still do it. Rhinoceros and the Bald Soprano, and he has like a bunch of famous plays, and he's a big absurdist. And his fragments of a journal is, I think, my, the most interesting text I've ever read. Really, because it's so honestly about like how absurd life is and how scary it is, and he was so scared of death, and it was this big thing, and. Mm -hmm. 
and it was it's sort of overarching theme in his work, which is the same for Woody Allen. And I feel like did you, like in uh, Midnight in Paris, yeah, where Hemingway. I didn't see that. I didn't oh, see you it, should huh? see it. I was just going to say you remind me of Hemingway. You really do. But yeah. you don't seem afraid of de- uh, death. You seem to be boxing with life. Yeah, but I, I no, I feel like that's so weird to say. But I, I, springs I think, and sponges. Spring. Yeah, just you. You coin all the worst terms. These are the worst terms coined <laughs> by Pete Holmes on NPR this weekend. We'll be having a marathon. Uh, but Go I, on. I feel like uh, you know, it's it's a you gotta. If, if you're, you're taking yourself too seriously, I think if you, if you, if you, even Ionesco, the saddest thing is he just took everything so seriously, you can't. And your, if your goal is really to believe in something in your life and it's not going to be God or some sort of weird religious thing that is solely based on where you were born, you know, it's like, then you should be trying to find something else actively in your life that you believe in. That's sort of the existentialist philosophy, in some ways, at least the more positivist view. But I just feel like, you know, it's I can feel my girlfriend over my shoulder being like, "You're such a douche." No, like, you're not a douche. I, I feel this like, is the TJ I want to show. This is how we talk all the time. Is yeah, that true? I, That's true. Yeah, that is true. You're but thoughtful. I, you're well read. I, I think that you know you should be actively searching for something to really believe in. And the problem with America is that nobody is like. Doing it with their jobs. Nobody does it. Everybody's unhappy with their job. Why do I work at this? Why am I yeah. middle management? And entertainment is in part, you know, responsible for that. But it's like people should be like, if I'm a janitor, I'm going to be the best janitor. Yeah. Cause I need these places need to be clean. Right. People every day go into a restroom and if they're in a shitty, disgusting restroom, it makes their life worse. Yeah. I can make it clean for them. Haven't you walked into a restroom and be like, damn, this restroom is clean as fuck for yeah. an airport. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. There, there's not shit. Filled stalls everywhere. Yeah. Thank you, whoever is in charge of this restroom. Yeah. Not enough people thank people for that, and not enough people are like, "Yeah, my job is dope." Right. Well, you so can like, you can get meaning. It's it's like they do those. Uh, let's throw people in like a Puritan kind of living. Like we're going to pretend like it's eighteen hundred right. something. And these kids that love their iPods and their computers and their iPads and everything just like take care of chickens, yeah. but they do it really well. Yeah. And then a- after the end of the month, they're like, "These are my chickens." Yeah. I take care of these chickens, and they're so happy. All they're doing is taking care of chickens, but they have purpose. So it kind of gives them something to focus their life on. Is that it's, what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll double up on what I was saying, which is I'll go on top of it and say, as a comedian, part of, at least for who I am as a comedian, I'm my whole focus is really, really talking about and showing and understanding how ridiculous and absurd yeah. a human being's life is and mm-hmm. the idea of human life. Is so ridiculous. And it's not a, that's not saying it's le- any has less value or more value or any of that stuff. That's not it. It's just, it is totally absurd and nonsensical. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to embrace that that don't lead to nihilism. And so that's my whole thing. And if I don't really believe in that and get behind it, then yeah, you end up with a guy who's like kind of bluffing and also afraid of death and yeah. sort of trying to Man, sound smart and in interviews and stuff. If you really believe in it and you're like serving a cause, that's much better. We don't have wars anymore. You, you it's be, so it's you know, it used to be it used to be so easy. Imagine being at war in World War II. Scariest thing ever, worst thing ever. You have a clear enemy in front of you and you're sacrificing your life for something that you believe is important, which is American freedom, and you are fighting evil. That is a real purpose in a human being's life. And we don't have access to that. 
I'm not saying there should be more wars. I'm saying people should think about life differently yeah. and understand how, Thank like, you're for what I think Kevin Smith, like, I'm not a huge fan of his, but he sort of has this interesting thinking, which is like, these are my people. This is my podcast. These are the movies that I make. People say I'm fat. This is my blog about it. Yeah. He, he needs to exist. He has passion. People are getting behind him. Yeah. You and know? growth. He has something to say and something to defend and something to stand for. Yeah, totally. And he should. Because people – and now with the internet, everybody has a voice. So certain people, this, almost everybody should be stepping forward and be like, my voice is important. It's if you're so going to write a movie blog, don't write a fucking shitty movie blog. Right. Read about movies. Read other people's movie blogs that you like. Yeah. You know? Do it well. It's so funny because, again, you are the least religious person. But here I am, somebody that grew up religious. And I see, Very religious. I see more – outward love for humanity and your fellow man in you than most religious people I know, including me. Actually, you're challenging me in the way that you look at things is outward. You were right. I do go inside. I'm like, am I killing it? Am I making it happen? Am I making something that I can be proud of? And you're not even <laughs> not saying that. a bad that. thing because no, you're a good person. You know what it is? It's Christian values. Check out this Nietzsche shit. Uh, it's Christian values that led you to be like, these people are worse than us. They're non-believers. All those values were taught by religion instead of people. This is way too Zen for this early in the morning, but you really, people should not be so judgmental about if you're doing good either way, we don't have to worry about it so much. That's John Sewer Mills thing. It's like, it's just utilitarian. Just make as many people happy as you can. Just yeah. do that. That's the right choice. Yeah. If you're really doing that in a benign way. I remember me you and Kumail, I think, were in a hotel once, and, and I was just starting to listen to you on these topics. And there were these uh, Cokes. There was this freezer, of, uh, refrigerator of Cokes. And I was like, we could take these Cokes. And I said to you guys, you're both atheists. I'm like, and what's the point? Why don't I just take these Cokes? They're, we're not going to be uh, judged or anything. And you both were like, no, if, if you take the Coke, this person might get in trouble you know what I mean? They count the Cokes. Yeah. It's going to look like this employee who's at this fucking Holiday and Express at 3am is stealing Cokes. You're going to make life worse for your fellow man, which is interesting because Jesus boiled down the whole Bible to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Which is kind of what you're doing, you fucking God-loving weirdo. No, not at all. You're a God-lover. No, Admit it. I think never. Now you got me with your hymns and your mass prayers. <laughs> no, but I think it's – you too, 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 I, I would just like a little more of this. This is my main thing right now. Just recently I've been thinking about this. I'd like to have more people admit to how shitty and tragic existence is but with sort of a laughing smile about it. Just in general. If more people did that, they wouldn't be so mean to each other. Yeah. They'd be more likely to be like, this bouncer's an asshole, but he probably doesn't have the best life. He kind of probably like wishes he was working at a better club and he's fighting <laughs> with his girlfriend. And, uh -huh. Like understand a little, it's a little more empathy sort of. I feel like I'm hearing a, a ton distanced. of empathy from you. Yeah. But I like, that's what I'm saying. I'd like to do more of that for me and, you know, sort of frame things. I think that's the goal of my stand up is one day to just be able to talk and like say really silly stuff, but also just have a, just a tiny lilt of like, also think about it, you know, think yeah. about this weird stuff that we're all, we're all I dealing used, with. I used to hate this Carlin quote when I was religious because yeah. it uh, threatened me, but Carlin said that at the point of laughter is the best place to put in a new idea. So there actually is something very powerful about comedy. You're, you're molding a group of strangers into one thing, into an audience. Yeah. And then you are persuading them. You are, you used to say, 
Pete, you are like a pastor. My mom wanted me to be a pastor. And you're yeah. like, you are a pastor, but you're making people's lives better without lying to them. Those are your words. Yeah. You're like, you're not telling them that, that they're going to go to a cloud party when they die and see their dogs again, yeah, uh, exactly. which is something that I would like to believe. But you're saying you're making the kingdom of heaven as God, as uh, Jesus would say, here on earth, you're making their life better now and you're making them uh, laugh and have a good time and yeah, kind of forget about the and absurdity I, I wish, of You know, I'm not a militant atheist, but I wish that... Um, I think we're seeing that now. I don't feel any... Yeah, but I certainly... I certainly do not agree. I mean, Hitchens and some of these writers and the way my father kind of thinks and sees things now are certainly... They're anti-religious. I mean, they're clear in their position that religion is a negative, terrible thing that has... You told me to read that, God is not great. Yeah, because it really says, like, religion is hindering the progress of human happiness. We can make people suffer less. There's, you know, we should have had condoms. The Pope is banning things that we were lagging hundreds of years behind because religion is suffocating growth. And we need... And if you then fuse that with, a, like, the futurist perspective... Religion may st- stop the progress in a way that we we don't get there fast enough to save the world. Right. We can't get to the technological well, place just- where we're saving global warming because too many countries are like, no, women can't be scientists and all that shit. It's like we got to kind of rally together people and religion does not do that. No part of religion is like everyone all in together now, which is like <laughs> a hip hop thing, not a world peace thing. In fact, it's like let's fucking get together. That's the, the, the Tower of uh, Babel story is when the whole <laughs> earth, it's in the Old Testament. Jews love it as well. Uh, all all the people of the earth spoke the same language, and when they did, they built a tower so big that they could get to God. So God confused their language and made everybody speak a different language. So actually, it's a biblical principle that we not all band together; that we are xenophobic, distrustful, and uh, don't get to God. Don't build a thing to God. It's bad news, yeah. So it's like don't reach you the know, but they're but they're trying to say everyone should get in here and be Christian. And it's like you can't, yeah, you can't really do that. So. Well, actually, Calvinists, uh, people that are Calvinists, that believe that you're either you're predestined to be a Christian, or this is one of the things that made me start losing my faith was you're either predestined to be a Christian or you're a vessel of wrath. You're born into this world to bring down other Christians, and the day you're born, you're always going to hell. There was never any hope for you. There's no free will. God knows exactly what's going to happen. Like fic- it just sounds like fictional. Of course Even it when does. you say it out loud, it sounds like a fake. You were born destined to go to a fiery hell. You were a Christian. Who, like, it's that was, so weird. It doesn't it sound real. Well, that was, that was the first movies, thing. Movies, I would say, is the only thing that I'm religious about. Yeah, well, yeah. It's film because that's, it's all fiction. It's like... You know, it's so great to like tell these fake stories and get so emotionally invested in them, but you still walk out of a movie like that wasn't real. Yeah. That should be what life is like. <laughs> and then my head explodes. You should walk my out of life and go. And explodes no. as, it's, as it's exploding, it melts midair. That wasn't real. Uh, well, what, what, what are we doing on time? I feel great about it. Oh, we did about an hour. Do you want to ask me about a weird thing? Yeah, I was like, so outsource, why, why do you, you know, Kumail and I talk about it sometimes and stuff like, what is your problem? Ah! <laughs> like, what's your fucking issue, man? Like, why are you such a fucking piece of shit? You and Kumail You're talk so about so talented. <laughs> and then you go and you do these things. You don't need money. You know, because you're you're doing so well in so many different areas, you're diversified in your income, and then you like go right for a TV show. You could be a prodigious, prolific 
iconic comedian in yeah. my opinion and you like go and write for shows and you don't want to go on the road and you're lazy about doing sets and stuff and I'm talking about me right now I'm not talking about Kumail it's like lazy and to me it's offensive because you're wasting the talent that you could have as a stand-up and I'm not saying you should change anything in your life because again earlier I was saying do you know people should do what they want to do and you bring us if a life worth leading is the way that you're leading it now then I think you should do that because you still make people happy right. but it's weird to me that you like you're a cop out a lot of times you think so sort of yeah because i wrote you i have like a four-year plan i wrote on a tv show called outsource which I, i'm guessing you're not a fan of uh i didn't even watch it i am ah! not a bad like i know that makes me the dick in this situation no, you're not but i know dick. enough to know that i'm you're more interesting to me as a creator of yeah but comedy. i was still getting up like most nights when i was writing on outsource so I wasn't on the yeah. road but the reason I'm writing for shows and I'm writing for a show now is that I can one day run my own show. People care about that stuff and that's what I want to do. But so when I go in and stand up, I feel like your stand up you should you be want focusing me to do, more, be doing more on. Yeah, why are you not why did you not do an hour special this year? I'm doing an hour this year. Get it out there. Get it moving. <laughs> I'm doing it. You haven't even seen me in a while. I don't I I I hear uh, the the goodness. I just in what sometimes you're you think pick you pick sell outy stuff, and that's okay because I do too. You think I pick sell outy stuff? Just a little bit, and so people, but people say that about me too. You know, you I have to turn the me. mirror inwards and say I was in Gulliver's Travels and Yogi Bear. I and honestly think I wish you had seen me recently when I did Meltdown right here this week. I'm I've doing, seen you. You're incredible. Your stand up is incredible. Well, thank you. But I mean, like lately, I've been writing more about the stuff that interests me deeply. Do uh, you think that in ten years you'll be doing stand up? Of course. For sure. I'll be doing stand-up in, uh, if I'm alive, 50 years. I mean, like, I'll never stop doing stand-up. I, I, my album comes out November 15th. I have an album coming out. I have a new hour coming out. And you told me that Kumail, I haven't even told Kumail this. You told me that Kumail says I don't write enough. And I was like really deeply offended at that. I have a new hour. I wrote like this month, I've written like 30 minutes of new material. And I want to, I want to say that I, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't really feel attacked right now because I know that you, you shouldn't. I'm not attacking. I'm just making it weird. Fun. I know you are making it weird, but I, I, I take that super serious. I, I stand. You up- should because you're one of the funniest people that I, I've ever met. Well, thanks, man. The podcasts are always in danger of you sounding too much like a puss. Uh, but uh, I will say, like, you're so funny, and you should be. You should be touring. You should kind of be doing. Yeah, no, I should be touring. Maybe more. it's not the exact thing, but like, I think you should be as popular or more popular than John Mulaney, and we're all friends with John Mulaney. But see, Mulaney's all Mulaney's writing for a cool show, but he's doing the same thing I'm doing. He gets up when he can, when he's writing, and when yeah. he's not writing, he tours. That's what I do. I, this Saturday, I'm flying to Framingham, and then I'm coming back. Like, I still do a lot of stand-up. You should do clubs, though, man. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that I have an aversion to clubs, but just because, probably because of that weird Christian, like, uh, we're all out and getting drunk and uh, fucking hookers, and let's go watch a comedy show. What? Yeah, it's weird. I look at them as, like, a debaucherous mess. Oh, God, what an asshole. I go to I Des Moines, and it's, like, this mother of two, and she has a babysitter at home, say- and she only got a babysitter for this... She can only afford a babysitter one yeah. day of the weekend, Yeah. so she picked Saturday this month. She hasn't seen any of my movies, because they can't afford to go to the movies. So she went She went to see this comedy show because so she liked carpoolers or something. And then she gets drunk and her husband drives her home. And he's yeah. like a little pissed, but he liked it. And he ah. wouldn't take a picture, but he kind of grabbed my arm. And he's like, I like that one joke. Right. And then they go home right after that. And they're not fucking any hookers on the way right. home. No, I'm not they're saying I, I, like, I, I con- for a great night of comedy. I'm not saying I consciously think that. I think I have a part of me that needs to grow up that still looks at it as like a weird Group that but I don't I also have a lot say of that you'll never really have a great show on on television 
or any medium unless you've like toured as a stand-up comedian and done a lot it's, of clubs. I, I really, I, again, you've I you've outloved me in the way that you look at the crowd. No, and again, I I, that. I love because you crowd. have to know it doesn't even. I, I don't even necessarily. I don't do it for them. I'm not like some bleeding heart guy. I own three Ferraris and I just use them to crash against one another <laughs> and hit poor people. You know, but it's like you got to get out there because to make a really great show, you have to know what about you makes people laugh in Des Moines and Idaho right. and Ohio. Yeah. And well, when we were in Chicago, I did the road just as much as more, sure. more than everybody. But you don't do it now. I, I don't have time to do it now. But I agree. I, I actually think that's really I don't have time interesting. To do it either. I have a film. I have doing enough films. Uh, Yet I still do it. Like when I was doing Unstoppable, <laughs> no, that's just sounds stupid. But I would do like fourteen hour day, and then I'd go do a set. I'd yeah, do six no, I know. Minutes and drive thirty minutes. No, that's why you're a machine and an admirable machine at that. But you're absolutely right. I, I, the times I've done clubs, it's never been that group of pirates that I picture. It's always wonderful people that I want to entertain. I tried to make it weird, but we're too good of friends, so it didn't. No, work. I, I think this was the weirdest episode we've done. You've only done two. I know. You're such a dick. Like I know. Why'd you invite me on this? I feel like you just like you're never gonna have a podcast. You're just gonna be like, I'm collecting weird interviews with my friends to listen to before I sleep on Wednesdays. <laughs> I'm Pete Holmes I'm, at home alone. This is how I sound. You are gonna get a season one of Outsourced, first and only season of Outsourced in your mail tomorrow morning. I can't wait. It's gonna be the best. Well, you have to go to the Emmys, and I have to take a big old pee. <laughs> really? Let's That's the, the end of your show. Yeah, T- TJ, you're the best. Worst end of the show ever. And we're, like you said when you came in, I think we should do this all the time. I'd love to have you on all the time. You're great. I didn't really say that outside. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Oh, keep it crispy. I'm going to oh, say wait, keep put it on crispy. The battle rap. Oh yeah. Can we let, let's, let's go so out, Pete? I want to preface this by saying Pete absolutely did a great job putting this together and he would always rap and he's pretty good at freestyle. He's good at freestyle and he was like, I, you know, I got this rap and one day we should battle rap and he say it for years and years That's we've known true. each other and then I made this album as a joke and then one of the tracks is him battling me and he just crushes me and it's it's one of my favorite tracks. People I, love it. They I love it too. It. I got a lot of good feedback. So let's go out with the uh, battle, uh, battle track, track 12 on TJCD. E- the extended play EP TJ Miller. Thanks Please for- enjoy some sun trips while you're listening. That's the best way to do it. Thanks, thanks for being here, TJ. That last battle was crazy, y'all, and we're still here in the Thunderdome. Nobody's safe. My next man coming up to y'all. It's your man, T.J. Miller, only person who can battle a bear. That's right, y'all, Yogi Ben, y'all, it ain't fair, y'all. And his challenger, you know who he is. And if you don't know, get the H1, you broke motherfuckers. He the voice of the E-Trade, baby, y'all. Y'all know him as Pete Holmes, but we know him as it ain't safe to go Holmes. Ass with a snapper cap, sipping on a palm, diss your ass with a fun fact. No time to react, shut you down like CBGB. No one likes you, everybody loves me. It's easy to see, this MC has your beat. I'm so good at rapping, Aziz, it's bits about me and me. She's out of my league, you're out of your depth, put it to rap. You put the bad in Breaking Bad without even cooking mad. Shit, sterile, your hair looks like Will Ferrell. I just lynch your ass like mother loving Meryl. Is your name Meryl? I'ma call you Meryl. Hey, calling me Meryl for a second, okay? You're supposed to take a break. That was longer than you're supposed to take. And why, what is with the rhymes? Like, 
bunch of that stuff was really hurtful. I thought that was the idea. She's on my league stuff. I wasn't even in Breaking Bad. And the Aziz thing was funny. But what's up with the, like, you don't say someone's sterile on their album. I'm sorry. I, Shut I, the fuck up, man. We can do it again. Yeah, I know. Thanks for coming we, on the album. T, TJ. All right. TJ, TJ, mad talented. He's like a freak. I loved him in Get Him to the Greek. Gulliver's Travels. I feel like a sellout now. Yeah, making children smile. You fucking sensitive rich pussy. Now leaving Nerdist.com.